If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And welcome back into the run line. Holden Kushner alongside Adam Burke taking you through Major League Baseball earlier today, right now, prognosticating in the future. And in just a moment, we'll get to hitting regression, whether it be actual regression or positive regression. Now, the Phillies, third highest hit ball rate in baseball. They're going to need some hard hit balls to get back in this thing against the Mets and Max Scherzer as Dom Smith continues to do Dom Smith things. I mean, remember when they couldn't find a place to put him in the lineup? Well, he's three for three. He's got three RBIs, and the Mets are up six to three at the end of five innings. So basically no way to get in on either side, in my estimations. You're getting 10 to one if you want to back the Phillies at plus 1,000. Uh, the total has gone up to 11 and a half here. Let's talk about this for a second, Adam, because I have been a, a supporter of seeing the Phillies bullpen and games so that games could go over. Um, we're likely not going to get a ninth inning appearance by the Mets at the plate if things stand as they are right now. But with the Phillies bullpen being as bad as it is, could you see this game going over? Or maybe just looking at a Mets team total or a complete fade? I think it's a possibility. I mean, you know, look, the, the question is how long does Max Scherzer hang around in this game? Because outside of the two Kyle Schorber home runs, Scherzer has been dominant. I mean, he's got a ton of swings and misses, already 18 swings and misses through five innings in this game. So, you know, how long is he out there? Does Kyle Schorber get to see him again? I think that would be pretty interesting. But, look, you know, this game turned on one pitch. There was a 1-1 pitch to Jeff McNeil that was a strike. It was a two-seam fastball down in the zone, down the middle of the plate, at the knees wound up becoming a 2-1 count instead of a 1-2 count where McNeil would have had to protect, maybe do some different things in his plate appearance. Ultimately, McNeil doubles. Eflin winds up leaving the game. Bases get loaded. Alvarado throws that pass ball, then gives up the two-run single. Th those are the things that make baseball just such a fascinating game and also kind of a hard game to bet that a seemingly innocuous 1-1 pitch basically became a three-run three inning here for the Mets. All right, I'm placing a bet right now. Bet Rivers... Mets team total over seven and a half. I think at plus 133, I, I, you know, if this thing is minus 110, minus 120, minus 133, I'm obviously fading it, but if I'm getting plus money there with this Phillies bullpen coming in and the way the Mets are playing right now, put a half unit down. So plus 133 over seven and a half Mets runs. Uh, it's obviously way over the pregame line, but. Sometimes you just look at the game flow, the way things are going. You're getting at least three innings of the Phillies bullpen here. The way Dom Smith is performing right now, I like to see that. And I just don't think that the Mets are going to let up 
on the Phillies tonight. McNeil's having a nice night. Eduardo Escobar's got a couple hits as well. This whole lineup could kill him, Adam. Uh, feel free to say it was a bad bet or you wouldn't have done it, but that's the way I'm going to hammer it. We had a nice success last week. I'm feeling I'm feeling all full of Fanta right now. I'm feeling a little cocky, Adam Burke. So I'm going to take the Mets to score a pair of runs here before the night's over. I can't fault you again. I mean, I, I've harped on this already. We talked about it last week when the Phillies were on Sunday Night Baseball that this is just not a, a particularly you know confidence-inspiring bullpen. So you know, I, I can't really fault you for that, especially given that, as you said, you know, we're going to have a couple more uh, innings here of this Phillies bullpen. Hey, let's get back into the regression report. You did a fine job on the pitching side where you think the Twins are going to come back down to earth and the Braves are going to start getting going here. But on the on the hitting side, the Chicago Cubs, is this right, a 320 BABIP batting average of balls in play, which is just astronomical at this point. The Cubs are coming back down to earth, aren't they, at the plate? Yeah, the Cubs have already come back down to earth a little bit. Their batting average on balls in play now 313 overall. With men in scoring position, it's 339. But as we look at what's happened here with the Cubs over the last few days, they scored one run on Thursday in the loss against Atlanta, one run on Friday in the loss against Milwaukee, one run Saturday, and another loss to Milwaukee, and then only scored two runs here today, although they did face Corbin Burns in that game. But this is already taking place. So these are things, again, you want to look for these indicators, try to get out in front of the market on some of these things. The Cubs' offense has been really impressive to this point. They've walked a lot with men in scoring position. They've gotten a lot of hits with men in scoring position. And it's maybe covered up some of the offensive deficiencies that they have. And I do think that this is a decent lineup, but it's not a lineup that's going to continue to perform at the level that it's at. So this one's already happening a little bit before our eyes here. So, you know, we can kind of talk about it in the past tense, but also the present tense where they're not done kind of falling back towards the mean a little bit. So maybe we're looking at certain pitching matchups with a team total under. Obviously, there's so many factors here, but... If the books or whatever algorithm is looking at it saying, oh, the Cubs offense, not that bad right now. Is there a way we can attack that going forward? Yeah, I think so. The problem is it may be a little bit expensive here this week because they start on Tuesday, a quick little two-game series with the Southsiders of the White Sox where they get Michael Kopech and Lucas Giolito. So two very good pitchers there. After that, they wind up facing the Dodgers and the Padres. So they'll end up getting some really good pitching in those two series as well. So this may be something that happens pretty quickly where the Cubs offense does end up regressing here. Uh, one offense not regressing. Apparently the Phillies tonight against Max Scherzer, Bryce Harper with a uh, bomb, no doubter. They got the spring-loaded balls tonight here, Holden. Sunday night baseball. Yeah. I mean, you can't use a dead ball. You need runs on Sunday night baseball. Can you imagine that? You... <laughs> it's not good hitting conditions, right? So you explain to me how all these games that have just been, you know, low scoring this whole first month and all of a sudden, boom, like that, balls are getting destroyed and it's 10 runs. Like, can baseball at least let us know which balls they're using so we can have a little bit more of a hint? They don't care about us. They care about the money that they're getting from the sports book. They don't care about us. But you can't, I don't know if it was a throwaway comment or not, Adam. It's a legit possibility that tonight they're like, eh, we're on national TV. Let's throw the the uh, the bunny balls out there, the rabbit ball. I don't know. Something seems off in this game, especially, you know, I, I kind of isolated it with that ball that, that Kyle Schwarber hit that just kind of kept going and going and going. The Energizer bunny ball, I guess we could kind of call it as you alluded mm -hmm. to it. But also, too, I mean, we think about what happened in last week's game. 
there were what 22 23 strikeouts combined by the two starting pitchers so we didn't get to see what the ball was playing like in that game because nobody made contact on this game tonight obviously things a little bit different just want to give you a, a note here sarah langs who's one of my favorite follows in baseball if you're not following her slangs on sports big fan she's at mlb uh, Max Scherzer, most games with 20-plus swings and misses. You'll like this one. Um, since 2008, 81 of his games with 21 with 20-plus swings and misses. How is that even possible? Like, number two is Chris Sale. Number three is K Kershaw, 46 and 40. Scherzer's got 81. You know how lucky I was to cover the Nationals when he was there? And by the way, the perfect game he had, I left early. So you can make fun of me all you want. I've never been to a perfect game or a no-hitter. But 20-plus swings and misses, 81 since he started covering this in 2008. This guy's something special, man. It's always fun going out knowing you're going to be watching a Hall of Famer. Yeah, a Hall of Famer is, is a very legit description of Max Scherzer. I've been to one no-hitter. Actually, it was uh, Irvin Santana's no-hitter for the Angels against the uh, then-Indians. Uh, my wife was working for a summer camp program, and – she orchestrated a trip down to the ballpark, so I got to see that. In fact, the interesting thing about that game, the Indians scored a run in the first inning on no hits and then got no hit throughout the course of the game. Speaking of no hitters, I got just chewed up by Mets fans this week because I said that, you know, five pitchers throwing no hitters, no big deal. Like, it would be fun to go to a ball game where there were no hits, but the fact that you had to use more than one pitcher, it almost doesn't matter to me at this point. You know, it, it just doesn't. Uh, we had such a swing of no-hitters, a string of no-hitters over the last couple of seasons. That was great. If I see one guy go out there and throw hit, no-hitters, how many were there, though? Didn't we have, like, seven or eight? And at one point, you're just going, all right, if everybody's going to have a no-hitter, then by all means, we'll do it. But now you've got multiple pitchers with no-hitters. Adam, it'd be nice, but for me, it's not a big deal anymore. This is just good job. I think it's more on the opponents not being able to get a hit. You couldn't touch up one of the five pitchers. That's my stance, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I mean, look, a no-hitter is still special in any context. I, I don't necessarily love the combined no-hitter. I'll, I'll sort of draw the line and be get-off-my-lawn guy mm -hmm. at that point. But the one that I really want to see, and Corey Kluber had a shot at it a few years ago for the Indians against the Cardinals in an interleague start. I don't know if it was in May or June. But he had 18 strikeouts through eight innings, and Terry Francona didn't bring him back out. I want the 20-strikeout game. That's the one that I want to see because that level of dominance – is just unbelievable. That's what I want to see, and I guess probably the closest I'm going to wind up getting. I want the 21 strikeout game. That's going to be the really interesting one. 21. What Clemens did it twice. He got 20. Nolan Ryan did it, and is that the club, right? The two guys. Is there anybody else in that club? Or just two guys BS about baseball. Kerry Wood's got 20. Kerry Wood. That's right. And then his arm blew up. Yep. That was not a. <laughs> that was not good for his career long term. All right, we're towards. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast. To start listening the end of the uh, block here we're going to come back we'll talk about a team we discussed just a little bit earlier but i really want to dig into the minnesota twins adam has some really big thoughts on their pitching staff i've got a lot of thoughts on them offensively and then in new york right now mets lead the phillies six to four schwarber with two bombs you had uh, bryce harper going deep as well and again adam and i discussed this i just don't know which ball they're using um scherzer has a penchant for giving up home runs but three home runs really doesn't seem that normal it seems a little bit out of out of character there and then on the other side neither one of these bullpens been great but the phillies bullpen has been one of my favorites to pick on and this is multiple years now so thank you joe is twittering uh trending on twitter i don't know if that has to do with joe girardi but i'm going to say that to him right now thank you joe girardi we're going to your bullpen because uh, hopefully this is going to be profitable for us here on the program. This is the run line. His name is Adam Burke. My name is Holden Kushner. Let's talk some twins baseball next. We'll also get deeper into the American League Central on VSIN, the sports betting network. Talking some baseball here on a Sunday night on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Holden Kushner, Adam Burke with you. Um, Adam, while we're on here, can you just plug your your daily column here in MLB? Because I read it every single day. I think if you don't know about what Adam's doing on a day-to-day basis, you're missing out. What do you got for us every day here on VSIN? Oh, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, doing a daily article over at vcin.com. And, and the top half of it is free for everybody, which includes a recap and some observations of previous games. Kind of a lot of the things that we talk about here, pitchers that I think are in line for regression, guys I'm looking to back, guys I'm looking to fade, some anomalies that are out there. You know, pitcher maybe gives up a bunch of hits on soft contact, stuff like that. That's all available for free in the top part of the article. The stuff that's behind the paywall is the stuff for today updates on the line moves my best bets stuff like that so we got that available over at vison.com for you to check out doing it monday through saturday now uh, not doing it on sunday because the west coast is great for a lot of things sunday baseball content creation not one of them with all the games that start at 10 a.m pacific time so we gonna be doing that article six days a week here going forward monday through saturday okay so let's bring in a little bit behind the scenes of the show here we were talking about the pitchers that struck out 20 batters in a game, right? So Kerry Wood is who you had, and I brought up Clemens. Scherzer had done it as well. So that's that, that's it. You got Roger Clemens who did it two times. Can you imagine that, Adam? Two times he struck out 20. I don't care what you think of the guy. He is the best pitcher I've ever seen, ever in person. And that includes Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer. Clemens is the best I've ever seen. Kerry Wood did it. That was back in 98, I believe. And his arm basically fell off uh, later on that season. Randy Johnson did it. And Max Scherzer did it. And I thought that Nolan Ryan had done it. But no, he was at 19 with Steve Carlton, Tom Seaver, and David Cohn with 19. So that's your list of 20 strikeout pitchers. And no shocker, uh, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. Yeah, Randy Johnson actually 19 strikeouts twice in the same season. 
1997. And the thing about Roger Clemens that's really amazing, not only the two 20-strikeout games, two of the four all-time, they were 10 years apart, Mm -hmm. which is remarkable. One in 86 and then one in 96, both as a member of the Boston Red Sox. Well, um, he was magically... Um, he magically transformed himself. Let's just talk about it that way. But, you know, he got fat and lazy in his last couple of years in Boston. He was getting into fights with Duquette, the GM at the time. And then ultimately they traded him to Toronto and it just was a resurgence for his career. So that's Roger Clemens. Speaking of Toronto, we're going to get in uh, to the Blue Jays here in just a second because regression and positive regression. But the Blue Jays today, 3-2 over the Astros. That was a fun series to watch. Playoff-type atmosphere today. Kevin Gosman, we were talking about Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gosman were supposed to be the anchors of an Orioles staff about a decade ago. Well, Kevin Gosman has turned into, like, a super stud. I, I don't know how many pitchers you can name that have been better than him in the first month of the season, but today he went out and shoved at the Blue Jays' 3-2 win over the Astros. Kevin Gosman, I believe I just saw this stat. 41 strikeouts, zero walks. So far yes. here for him. He has allowed a ton of hard contact, but he's been able to pitch around it. That's an important thing here, an important distinction to make. While allowing hard contact is bad, it's not as bad this season. You kind of want to look for guys that don't walk people, don't give those free base runners. Gosman's one of those guys that absolutely does not. But I wanted to talk about Toronto here for a second because they're batting 243 as a team. And as we've already covered, they have the second highest hard hit percentage in Major League Baseball, uh, about 44%. So they make a ton of violent contact, and they're not really having a whole lot of success with it. There's a stat that we talked about in the first episode that I was on with Ben Wilson here called Weighted Runs Created Plus, WRC Plus. 100 is league average for WRC Plus. With men in scoring position, going into today's game where they were one for two, the Blue Jays had a WRC Plus of 58. They were 42% below league average offensively with a runner in scoring position. Their batting average on balls in play in that split, 185, the lowest in baseball by 19 points. So this is a Toronto team that makes a lot of hard contact, but they're not doing it with men in scoring position, and they're still off to an excellent start because they're 9-2 and in one-run games. When this offense gets going and they start getting those hits at key times, this offense is going to take off. So the Blue Jays are a team that you're laying some big numbers on them right now, but I think they're going to get even better, and they'll be a team that you want to back quite a bit here, I think, in the future as their fortunes change in those high-leverage plate appearances. Mm, so positive regression for the Blue Jays is what you're telling me. A lot of it, yes. Yeah. 40, 42% it, below league average with men in scoring position with that lineup, with the guys that are in that lineup, is a mind-blowing number to me. Oh, Bo Bichette's got a 565 OPS. I mean, he'll, at some point in time, he'll get going. That's the law of averages, right? There's just too much in this offense. And, I would, and Chapman's another guy that really hasn't gotten going. So at some point in time, the guys that are falling behind are going to get going. And what I'm really looking forward to with the Blue Jays is seeing when most of that order is on fire at the same time. Because for me, there's no team with a higher ceiling than what we see with the Toronto offense. Not sure if you agree or disagree with that. Again, we talked about the White Sox. We talked about the Yankees, some of the other teams out there. But for me, there's no team with a higher ceiling at the plate than the Toronto Blue Jays, Adam. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, look, and also something else to keep in mind, too, is that today they faced Framber Valdez. It's only the second game this season that they've faced off against a left-handed starter. And this is a very right-handed heavy lineup that would project to hit very well against lefties, I think. So the fact that they've played 
just a disproportionate number of games against right-handed starters. Maybe that filters in a little bit to why they've struggled offensively, but I, I think it's just variance. I think Major League Baseball just has a lot of variance to it. I think that's really what we're looking at here with the Blue Jays. And again, it, it could be the baseball. You know, maybe the baseball is, is just a lot different up there north of the border at the Rogers Center. I don't know. But this is an offense that just has way too much talent to be not scoring runs right now. I mean, their run differential, I think, is like plus one or something like that. And they have the record that they have because they've won a lot of close games that down the line maybe won't be so close. That's exactly what it is. It's plus one. Uh, a team with a plus 23 that we promised to discuss, the Minnesota Twins. Twins getting another win. They've won two in a row and nine of 10. They lead the AL Central right now, 13 and nine, plus 23 run differential. Uh, talk to me about the Twins. You and I had discussed them earlier. It sounds like you feel like the pitching is going to come back down to earth. I am in the same uh, same boat as you. I think bullpen and this offense is going to have to carry them. They've got a hell of an offense, too. 40 to 1 to win the World Series, uh, 17 to 1 to win the American League. Give me some thoughts here on the Minnesota Twins. Well, I don't know if I'd want to place a, a future on them because there's a chance they run into the Yankees in the in the playoffs. And, and, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just their Achilles heel. I mean, they, they cannot get past that team. They haven't won a playoff series in a very, very long time, to say the least. Look, offensively, up until this weekend, they were a league average offense, but they went down to Tropicana Field where the ball does not carry humidor or no humidor. It's just not a good park for offense. They've scored nine runs in back-to-back -back games here. So now they have a WRC plus of 109. So they look... Quite a bit better than league average, although they came into that series being a league average offense. Now, again, part of that could be the cold weather in Minnesota, the cold weather in the Midwest that they've played through. But, again, they're going to have to out-hit the regression on the pitching side at some point. And they are a very smart organization. Most of their front office made up of guys that used to work for the Cleveland Indians. They've got Josh Kelk in the front office. He was one of the creators of the pitch FX system. They have a lot of smart minds there. So maybe they're just figuring out what to do with these pitchers. You know, they signed Dylan Bundy. They did the trade for Chris Paddock. They've done some things that, you know, maybe they isolated some skill sets in these guys that they feel like they can really maximize. But I don't know how good this team actually is. And I do think that there's a chance they do come back to the pack a little bit. The thing of it is, they're in the perfect division to be mediocre because the White Sox have a ton of injuries. The Guardians, I don't think, are very good. Tigers and Royals not playing well at all. So you could theoretically make an argument for them on a World Series future just because if they win this division, they make it to the playoffs and they'll be semi-live at that point in time. It's a division that's there for the taking. I'm waiting to take Chicago at a better price if I can, but I just don't think that this Twins team has the longevity over 162 games to keep doing what they're doing here so far early in the year. All right, let's expand the discussion to the American League Central as a whole. When we come back, so I'm looking forward to that. We'll talk about the Twins, their place. Maybe Adam could dig a little bit deeper into it. And we'll continue to follow the one game that's in progress. Just saw a good note from Anthony DeComo, who covers the Mets, and he has for quite some time. Max Scherzer, he's out of the game now. The Mets lead Philadelphia 6-4, top of the seventh, one out, and a runner on first base. 24-game unbeaten streak by Max Scherzer. Now, wins don't matter, this and that. It just tells you how often a guy is keeping it in the game. We know how great he is. But to me, there is something to be said for 24 games on beaten streak because you're keeping your team in the game every single time that you go out there. Okay, we'll discuss the American League Central when we come back. 
Again, Adam Burke, I'm Holden Kushner, host of the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. So if you're ever betting on a Denver team or a Colorado team, betting for or against, or you just love to hear my beautiful voice, Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. It is a VEASAN podcast. AL Central discussion next on the run line here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com backslash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 plus only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details and drink responsibly. Okay, here's what we got going on right now. And welcome back to The Run Line here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, alongside Adam Burke. My name is Holden Kushner. One game in progress as we go to the bottom of the seventh inning. Mets leading Philadelphia 6-4. to four. Max Scherzer, uh, not great tonight. He gave up uh, three home runs, six innings, five hits, four runs, and ultimately a, a walk and nine strikeouts. You like to see that. Uh, for full transparency, live show bet here. I got the Mets at over seven and a half runs at plus 133. Love the juice on that one. So that's where I'm sitting. And then we've got some breaking news. And Adam's going to have to break. I mean, this is like groundbreaking. This will probably be the top story on most news organizations tomorrow. Adam, uh, did one of our producers hit for $700 on a penny slot? Yay or nay? Yay, indeed, he did. Uh, one of our guys behind the glass there actually, uh, happy accident, betting too much on one of the slots accidentally and uh, winds up hitting a big score there during some pregame. How do you bet too much on a penny slot? You hit the wrong button. You put button? like four in? Yeah, you just hit the wrong button. You, you, I, wind, you wind up tell you this right betting now. accidentally. Yeah, I, I don't even think he deserves the congratulations, to be honest with you. Uh, first of all, it's slots. There's no skill whatsoever. Uh, he's going to go out and lose the next 7,000 pennies that he ends up putting in there. So he's going to, you know, that's not going to be good for him. Why would anybody play slots when you could bet on sports? Will you tell me that, Adam? It's... What is the process here behind playing an actual slot machine? Because it doesn't make sense to me. Even when I lived in Vegas, I was bad because I had just started learning how to sports bet in my early 20s. And uh, every time I'd win, I'd go out and I'd lose it at the blackjack tables. But this is just... This doesn't make any sense. Why would anyone waste their time playing penny slots? And then when you win, you don't even get the credit you don't deserve. Well, it's a good mindless activity, I feel like. You know, you just kind of watch the reels spin, hit the button. And, and look, I mean, you know, they, they know their customer base, right? I mean, I, I've wasted way too much money on a Dumb and Dumber slot machine just because it's my favorite movie. <sighs> now you can't Hold even Hold on, there's a Dumb and Dumber slot machine? There used to be. There used to be one. There was one down here at the Fremont, and there was one at uh, Bellagio. But I now, I, now I can't find it anywhere. Uh, like, oh. my wife and I, right before Christmas, we found a Christmas vacation machine at Venetian. So, okay. I mean, of course you got to play that, right? People play the Sex in the City one or the uh, Crazy Rich Asians or, you know, the other Ghostbusters. You know, I mean, just... Waste a ton of money trying to get a bonus and hope that it's got good clips from the movie that you can just go watch on one of the streaming services and then not waste money. So did the Dumb and Dumber one have, so you're telling me there's a chance? Because that would be perfect, right? Did they have it in there? What were the lines they used? I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was in there. I think when, you, when you triggered one of the bonuses. Um, right. Yeah, it was, 
it was fun. I, I like I said, I lost too much money in it just trying to get bonuses and, and play for it. But uh, it was it was interesting to say. I don't know why it didn't catch on. I mean, that movie is a classic. It should have won an Oscar. I mean, it makes my heart feel good that the younger generations understand how great that movie was. But this is not about uh, classics from the 1990s. I would play a penny slot if it was Dumb and Dumber, but that would be for entertainment, not to actually try and make a living. Uh, anyways, to completely get off the rails and back on the rails, this is a baseball program. So again, we got one game in progress, 6-4. Mets over the Phillies. Francisco Lindor is at the place. But we're not going to talk about the NL East. We're going to talk about the American League Central because we've got some teams here that there was a lot of expectations on the White Sox again. They're 13-9. and uh, They're not 13-9. That's the Twins. They're 8-13. and 13. They're off to a slow start. A lot of injuries there, Adam. We know that. Cleveland, terrific offense. We'll see if their rotation could gel, if McKenzie could keep doing what he's doing today. Royals, Tigers, forget about it. And then we've had a long discussion here on the Minnesota Twins. Break it down for me. How are you feeling about the AL Central? Is there a bet we can get in on, or at least one that you're considering? I guess we should talk about the NL East first for a second because the Mets okay. have two on with nobody out here. So your live team total over. Uh, maybe going to get a little bit closer here in this inning, hopefully. I also wrote about this this morning in that daily article over at vcin.com. In the nine games played at City Field, where this game is being played tonight, there were 59 total runs. So about six and a half runs per game, 6.6 if we're rounding up. We already have 10 in this game. But opponents had scored only 22 runs in those nine games against the Mets at City Field. Phillies with four here tonight. So kind of speaks to what we sort of talked about. Not, you know, starting a conspiracy theory or anything like that, but you know, there had been virtually no offense in any game at City Field. Now we got 10 runs and looking for more here in this one. Kind, kind of interesting, I think. It's fishy. Let's call it fishy, okay? Because there's something going on here. And I think what Manfred did was, hey, we're in New York. Let's go uh, send a little shipment. Let's go give about 300 baseballs over the Mets for Sunday night baseball. Let's see if we can get some runs going because they know offense is fun. For whatever reason, they don't think it's going to work for every other game. All right, let's get into this central though. I set it up for you, my friend, the White Sox, slow start injured. Come on, talk to me here. Can we get in on the pale hose, maybe a future for the division? So initially I've kind of told people that my target numbers are on minus 120 for the White Sox, which is where they are right now at DraftKings to win the central division. But the more I look at this, if they can keep it close as they navigate through all of these injuries and all these other issues that they've had, here's the upcoming schedule for the Twins. Tomorrow, they start with four on the road at Baltimore. They host Oakland for three. They host Houston for three, and then Cleveland for three. They go to Oakland, to Kansas City, host Detroit and Kansas City, play Detroit again in a five-game series. That takes you into the month of June. So the Twins have a very, very weak month of May. So at this point in time, Maybe it's not the right time to jump in on the White Sox at minus 120 to win the division. I'm going to hope that they figure things out in the month of May, that water kind of finds its level. If I can get them at a plus money price at some point here over the next three or four weeks, that's when I'll go ahead and fire on the White Sox because I'm not a full-fledged believer in the Twins. I think it's a two-team race. I don't think the Guardians are very good. The Tigers and Royals are not good, much to my chagrin, because I do have a Tigers season win total over ticket. This is a two-horse race. But I think there's one thoroughbred that's stronger once it gets back on the track, and that will be the Chicago White Sox, who just offensively, they're too banged up. They're missing Lance Lynn. Lucas Giolito missed some time. The bullpen hasn't been as sharp as it was last year. 
I think all of those things kind of come together here as we go forward. This is still Chicago's division to, to lose, but I'm just waiting for the right time to go ahead and fire on a plus money price for them. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that this team should be the favorite still. Um, we're talking about Lance Lynn, but look who Dylan Cease, Giolito, Kopech. You know, that starting rotation is going to, they're all going to get it together. Hopefully, Giolito does stay healthy. They've got that going for them. They've got some power arms in the bullpen still, and that offense is going to come together. Um, so what you're you're hoping for is some more losses in the near term so that you can get it closer to even money. But I look at that minus 120, it, you do want even money, right? Isn't that where we're sitting at? Minus 120, a lot of bad things can happen during the course of a season. You give me easy, you give me even money, I'm feeling at least a little bit more comfortable about that. Well, and also too, let's keep in mind that up and I think next year this will change. They're going to balance the schedule out a little bit more. You're going to wind up playing everybody a little bit more, playing more interleague games, all of that. But for this season, you still play 19 games against every division opponent. So the Twins and White Sox have played three games. Minnesota swept that series, so kudos to them for that. But these two teams don't play again until I believe it's July 4th week. Or yeah, July 4th, 5th, and 6th. So 16 of the 19 head-to-head games between the White Sox and the Twins will be July 4th or later. Chicago should be much healthier by then. So if I'm looking to bet a Chicago future, and I am, if I get that plus money price, knowing they have 16 head-to-head games left with a pitching staff I expect regression from, I have to take it. So I'm just waiting for that buy point with the White Sox. And maybe it'll be in two weeks, maybe it'll be in three weeks, maybe it'll be in four, but I think one will come because the Twins do have their schedule set up nicely for them throughout the month of May. And the, the worst thing would be if you didn't want to back the White Sox if they get on a run. But again, if you're, if you're thinking the Twins are going to keep this up because of the schedule, sit back, relax, wait for Lance Lynn to come back. They got Johnny Cueto down there too for a little bit of innings, right, at the back end of the rotation. It's White Sox team, man. They just got to get it done to the playoffs. I think the whole narrative is going to change once they can win a couple of series in the playoffs. And for all the knocks that people give on Tony LaRussa and even some of the guys that were in the clubhouse there, successful season, I still think he can navigate a team once they get to the playoffs. Uh, again, show bet right now, over seven and a half runs for the Mets at plus 133. Um, how about Pete Alonso with a little RBI single there? So seven runs, still need another one. The Mets have runners on first and second with nobody out and Eduardo Escobar at the plate. When in doubt, Always look at the Phillies bullpen, and if you get burned and your team doesn't come up and cover, well, that's the team's fault, not your fault, because we know how bad the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen has been multiple years now. You'd think they'd be able to figure that out at some point in time. He's Adam Burke. My name is Holden Kushner. This is The Run Line. We'll come back to look forward a little bit to uh, some final thoughts and tomorrow's game on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And welcome back to the run line on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. My name's Holden Kushner. If you haven't checked it out yet, VSIN, we have a whole bunch of local podcasts uh, that are talking about betting your favorite teams, no matter where you are. I'm based in Denver. It's called the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. I'll have a Broncos recap tomorrow. We're always talking about Rockies. I'll be making Rockies bets every single day. Uh, during the season. So every single game they have when I'm on. So check it out. Denver City Cast presented 
by Bet Rivers. Now, a lot of our conversation tonight has been about the American League Central. And we'll get back to that in just a second. Do want to let you know Mets and the Phillies, 7 4 Mets on top, bottom of the seventh inning. Bases loaded right now. And that guy, Starling Marte, is coming to the plate. What a stud. I know he's off to a little slow start here, but Starling Marte, love him. Come on, buddy. Get us that one run, and the show back could go over the Mets team total seven and a half plus 133. Adam Burke. We were discussing the American League Central. We were talking about the White Sox. You and I both like them to win the division. You noticed something very curious about the schedule, though, going forward, and I think it's a great look. Yeah, so, you know, again, we're looking for a buy point here on Chicago, and, and a lot of it will be price dependent. But I talked about how the Twins have a really weak schedule in the month of May. The White Sox have a very difficult schedule almost up until the All-Star break. They'll play all six of their games against the Yankees, all six against Boston. They play all their games against Toronto. That's six more. They play Tampa Bay. They play the Dodgers for three. They play the Giants for three on the road. The White Sox have a very, very difficult schedule up until the All-Star break begins on July 17th. The thing about that, though, is in the second half, if we assume that the Rockies fall off the pace, and I do think that that will end up being the case, Chicago projects to play four teams with a winning record in the second half. Houston, Seattle, San Diego, and Minnesota, if the Twins continue on the path that they're on. So the White Sox, you think about them from an adjusted season win total standpoint at the second half, you think about their futures price, you think about what their World Series number might end up being. Maybe we just need to really exercise a lot of patience here with the White Sox futures market and look to do something at the All-Star break because their second half schedule will be very, very bad and should be in contrast to Minnesota, who winds up... If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening playing a week stretch here in the month of may and maybe ends up you know not playing as many of their good teams prior to the break well i think that's a great look and patience is key my problem would be remembering to place the bet burke how are you going to do this are you setting an alarm on your phone are you just going to put a poster in your room a little post-it note how are you going to remind yourself to bet this i might have to i'll just put a poster up on the ceiling in the bedroom just like when i can't sleep at night i'm staring at it you know reminding myself to to bet that white Sox future but I, I think that we will, I don't know when, but there will come a point where we, I think, just almost have to fire on this unless they wind up being so bad here in May and June that they're six, seven, eight games out, something like that. Although at that point, the price is going to look really, really attractive. I'd too. like them. Yeah. I think that would be a great look. What about one other team here with the Guardians, okay? The Franimals off to a slow start. Really, this offense is revolving around. Jose Ramirez once again, but he's not getting very much help. 
Now, Bieber is off to a spectacular start. You think Tristan McKenzie had a great start today, probably due for a little regression as well. Quantrill, Plesak, uh, they've got some arms in the rotation. What's the outlook for the Guardians here over the next few months? Really interesting result here for the Guardians today. They swept Oakland on the road for the first time in 22 years. And interestingly enough, their last six series have all been sweeps, either for or against. So that kind of speaks to the inconsistency of this ball club. Bieber's pitched really well. The velocity's down. I'm really concerned about that. Aaron Savale has not. Zach Plesak has given up a ton of hard contact and not pitched well either. Love Cal Quantrill. He's kind of a throwback guy. Sort of, you know, command everywhere, but doesn't get a lot of swing and miss. The bullpen looks a lot better than expected. As a Guardians fan, they're a far more interesting team than they've been over the last few years. From a betting standpoint, again, spot plays. Is McKenzie facing a lineup that doesn't walk? Well, maybe that's a good start for him. Facing a lineup that makes a lot of contact, not a good start for him. So you look for spot plays with guys like McKenzie. You hope that Savali and Plesak get a little bit better. Uh, but this team is just kind of all over the map right now. At least Stephen Kwan is back, and Andres Jimenez looks really good at the plate. Uh, that's something that's a really big boost for them, where they have a ton of middle infield talent in the prospect pool. And if Jimenez is the guy at short, they can kind of play with that and maybe fill some other holes via trade. All right, very good. Starlin Marte knocks in a couple of runs there. Uh, good job. So that Phillies bullpen, uh, listen, I'm telling you, uh, target them because more often than not, you're just going to win. It's it, Adam, I know we're statistics-based. I know we look at it all the time. But when I've got something that my eyes are just telling me, it's going to be a rough go for the Phillies bullpen. After this much time, like how do you not go to that? Do you make any bets on field? By the way, 9-4. Mets on top of the seven. So they go over the seven and a half at plus money. Talk to me here about using your eyes a little bit and using your feel, because this was a complete field play tonight, targeting the Phillies bullpen. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, we also kind of isolate. It seems like offense is, is up in this game for, for one mm -hmm. reason or another. But yeah, I mean, I think feel is important. I think getting your eyes on the game is important. Look, I love the stats. I love the sabermetrics. A lot of my handicapping is based on that. But to me, it reaffirms what I'm seeing and it provides a value. It provides additional levels of context to what I'm seeing. You know, if I see that a pitcher is living in the middle of the plate, he's giving up a lot of hard contact. How much is that impacting him? Is he been able to pitch around it like Jose Barrios for the most part this year, or has it really hurt him? Those are things I look for to try and make bets, but it's because I've seen something that leads me to look at the numbers and then kind of use the numbers as my guide to quantify how much of an impact that's actually having. So yeah, absolutely. There are spots where you know, I kind of look at the Guardians and I'm like, you know, I, I've watched them my entire life. I just they just have an MO. You know, there's just some things you kind of pick up on. Intuition is is still important, I think. And it's not, you know, something that you're going to hear a lot from hardline numbers guys, mostly like myself, but I think you have to have a really strong blend of a lot of those different traits and characteristics in your handicap. Well, personally, I think you better have it if you're alive better. Because you can't you can't have every single stat at your availability all the time when you're starting to feel the game going one way or another. And I think that comes with a lot of practice, too. And there's probably quite a few betters that are watching the show right now that don't even live bet, that haven't even dabbled into it at this point. And for me, again, most of my betting is live. And if I'm betting pregame, Adam, I'm going to read your column. I'm going to call a couple other people. I'm going to read a ton. I'm going to dig into the numbers. And that's how I'm going to place my bet pregame. 
Um, in a live betting situation, I'm going to go into a game with a game plan tonight. If the Phillies bullpen gets in and the Phillies are up, we'll take the Mets at a plus price. Now, there was a different way to attack that tonight, but live betting and pregame betting, to me, at least from my standpoint, two completely different ways to attack the game. Yeah, absolutely. And something that's tough, and this could be a whole other discussion that we could spend multiple segments on, it's really hard because I don't get to be a baseball fan anymore. I can't just live in the moment because I'm always thinking ahead. Like we were talking during the break, you know, about tomorrow's card. And I'm looking at this game for the Mets. This is a long game. I mean, this has been a long Sunday night baseball game. If that thing had stayed 7-4 or within striking distance for the Phillies, and all of a sudden Edwin Diaz has to come in or, you know, some of the other high leverage relievers for the Mets, I'm starting to formulate a plan in my head. What's the target price I want on the Braves tomorrow with Max Fried on the hill against Chris Bassett? No lineup for that game, obviously, waiting for this one to finish. I started thinking about it like that, but then you get the Mets scoring a few insurance runs there. Now they're not going to use those high leverage relievers unless something weird happens. Kind of takes me off of my thought process with that Braves play. So I can't really be a fan and live in the moment because I'm always thinking a step or two ahead. Well, you brought up that Mets game tomorrow. I got two games I'm looking at. First of all, Zach Gallen and my boy Pablo Lopez. Listen, the Diamondbacks and the Marlins. Two markets where baseball isn't very popular. I love that one. And then Yankees, Blue Jays. There's Mariners, Astros too, but Yankees, Blue Jays. We got Montgomery and Stripling on the mound. We just don't know what balls they're going to use. The total here is eight and a half. It's juiced to the over. I just need to know. <laughs> I'm going to need to know what the weather is. I'm going to need deeper into the hard hit contact. We know the Yankees do it. The Blue Jays struggling a little bit offensively. But boy, wouldn't it be nice to know what kind of baseballs they're using? Because tonight, it does seem like it's a little different than some of the other games we've seen. Well, I think something that's really intriguing about that game is those are the two top teams in hard hit percentage. The sabermetric stat that we talked about earlier on in the show. So there should be a lot of hard contact in that game. And generally speaking, hard contact tends to lead to runs. Jordan Montgomery is a guy I actually really like, but the Jays getting their third left-handed starter of the season now, back-to-back days with Framber Valdez and Jordan Montgomery. So that's an interesting one where you've got, you know, a really short line in that game. Looks like a competitive matchup. Uh, you know, not a whole lot to love on tomorrow's short card, but that's a game that has a lot of intrigue. Oh, I love it. I just love every day we got baseball. I didn't know if we'd have baseball. Plus, we got two more day games. How much better is this? Beginning of the season, every day you can kick up. Today, I took a little nap. Had a baseball game in the background. Oh, it was just so beautiful, and I love it. I love it. I wake up. I'm always in a good mood after a nap during a baseball game. Adam, always good working with you, my friend. I'm going to leave. I'm not ever going to do this show again. My record is 3-0. It's a nice knowing you. Take care of yourself. Absolutely. Have a good night, Holden. Yeah, it was great to see you, Ortega. Wonderful work behind the scenes as well. I'm Holden Kushner. Thanks for checking out the run line on VSIN, the sports betting network. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.